We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Ducks Digest podcast. I'm your host, Taurus, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated. Today, we are talking about Oregon versus Cal, both teams coming off of a bye week. And who better to talk about the Golden Bears than Cal Sports Report publisher Jake Curtis. He is our uh, our partner publisher over there for SI covering the Cal Bears. Jake, how are we doing today? Thanks for coming on. Good. How are you doing, Max? I'm great. Can't complain. Another week of college football and, you know, we're rolling right along. So let's hop into this. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to do a little bit of a two-parter here. We'll have, uh, we'll talk about some Cal offense, Cal defense, and, you know, any good follow-ups that may come up, uh, you know, in between. So we're looking at the Cal offense. And uh, I think, you know, obviously the, a good place to start is, is with quarterback Chase Garbers. Um, you know, he's been in Berkeley for a couple years now. What do you think that the, the Bears, you know, really have here when you're looking at the quarterback spot? Well, he looked good in the first several games. Uh, he was not good at all against Washington State in his most recent game. And he looked good uh, early on, I think, because he was getting a lot of time. The offensive line was really good uh, early in the season. And when he, when he has a lot of time, like, like most quarterbacks, when he has a lot of time, he, he's a Pac-12 quality quarterback and he can complete some passes. He also can run, and they're trying to run him some more on on designed runs with him. And also, it seems like encouraging him to run when the when the pass play breaks down. But he's been he's a he's an accurate passer. And he should be. This is really his fourth year as a starter, so he's has plenty of experience, and uh, he's been he's really good at throwing the long ball. It's just a matter of whether he gets up the courage to throw it. Sometimes uh, he's unwilling to try to unleash the long ball. But they've had a lot more big plays this season, uh, possibly because of the design of the offense from uh, Bill Musgrave, the, the offensive coordinator, whose offense never really got installed properly last year with the, with the limited practices and things. But the offensive design now looks pretty good, and uh, Garber seems to be comfortable with it. It's just a matter of whether he gets enough protection from his offensive line. Uh, he really needs protection. He tends to look at the uh, pass rush and not downfield the whole time. So it really depends on that for him. And that was not good at all against Washington State. Okay. Yeah. So we got, you know, uh, a, a capable passer, but maybe someone who needs a little bit more work, you know, when the, when the play breaks down. I think that's kind of what we're seeing, you know, more and more with the way college football is played today. You know, 
how do you look when when things break down you know are you a playmaker can can you think on your feet and improvise and you know have that composure or you know are you maybe going to be throwing some 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 airmail and, and you know handing it over to the other team so how, how does the how does things look with turnovers and all of that but we we know about about garbers we'll see if he can kind of put things together and i think when you're looking at the the oregon defense and how they've been playing Garbers is kind of shaped shaped up to to have some time to pass just because Oregon hasn't been doing very well getting getting pressure on the passer. But since we're talking about you know the the passing attack here, I think one guy that that I wanted to ask you about and maybe we could just talk about the receivers a little bit. But Nico Remigio, I know he he's a he's been a stud for for Wilcox out there in Berkeley. But what else are we looking at here with uh, you know some of the other offensive weapons at play? Well, Remigio, and I'm trying to pronounce it correctly, Remigio. Uh, He's got he's caught a lot of passes, but not for very much yardage. He hasn't been a big play guy uh, out of the passing game. He is a big play guy out of punt returns and kick kickoff returns, though. He, he's really good at that. He had a 99-yard kickoff return against Sac State. Admittedly, it's Sac State, and didn't that doesn't mean as much. But he he's a real good uh, returner. Um, the bigger guy in terms of big plays has been Trevon Clark, who was not much of a factor last year. Uh, they've gotten quite a few big plays. Uh, out of him. In fact, they've gotten a lot more big plays in general than they have. They, they had zero explosive plays in the previous three years, not technically zero, but almost almost none. And they've had quite a few this year. And Trevon Clark and uh, Hunter, a uh, sophomore uh, receiver, has also produced some big plays. Uh, they're not remarkably fast, but they've been able to get behind uh, defenses. And uh, Garbers has been willing to throw those passes. Um, Kakoa uh, Crawford is another guy. He's a more reliable receiver. Uh, he was at Michigan and transferred over to Cal before last season. And I, I, I think he's their, their best receiver. He can, he can catch the intermediate pass. He can go over the middle. He can also get deep. He can get beyond, beyond the secondary. So he's, he's a key guy for, for them. I think, I think those are the, those are the important guys. Uh, Damian Moore played very little, uh, against Washington State, he fumbled on the first snap, and he fumbled on the last snap uh, the previous week against Washington, and he didn't play much after that. And uh, uh, Christopher Brooks used to be uh, Christopher Brown. He's now Christopher Brooks. He was pretty impressive. Uh, and Chris Street, uh, who got his first playing time as a running back, first significant playing time, he, he was impressive as well. So I don't know whether I don't know how they're going to rotate their running backs. I'm guessing that. Uh, Moore won't get as many or as big a percentage of the carries as he had in the first several games because uh, partly because of the fumbles and partly because the other guys were actually doing better than he was. Okay. So yeah, we have, we have some, some different weapons at, at play here for, for Cal. Um, sounds like, you know, have some, some big playability with Remigio and Clark. The, the Oregon secondary, I think has kind of been a mixed bag so far. Um, like much of the defense has, that's I feel like that's kind of a, a you know a point that I keep going back to is the fact that it's a mixed bag and they haven't really looked dominant, um, you know, th- throughout the season for a consistent period of time. But with this bend don't break style for Oregon and kind of how the the secondary has been playing, Michael Wright has flashed at times, and then you have some younger corners and Bridges and Manning kind of kind of maybe looking to to get their footing a little bit more as they're getting comfortable. DJ James has looked great. Uh, I guess the question I have for you, Jake, is, you know, where do you think you see this this Cal offense 
having more of a chance for success against Oregon? Does that come through the air, or do you think that's maybe more so on the ground? Um, I, I would hmm. – I mean, Cal's not very good unless they can do both, but I, I would guess through the air. Uh, my sense of Oregon is that they allow pass plays, but they're pretty good at, at interceptions. And, you know, once an opportunity uh, avails itself that they could take advantage of it. Uh, I, I would think passing it, it again, as you suggested, it all depends on whether uh, Garbers has time to pass. And if the offensive line has better success, I mean, Washington state didn't have a very good pass rush heading into the Cal game, but they look like they look like pass rushing monsters against Cal for some reason. It was the first time the uh, Cal offensive line was really didn't do a very good job at all. And it, and it, and it uh, resulted in a, in a bad passing game for Cal and a bad performance by Garbers. So I, I don't know. I, I think the main thing is for Cal to be able to get pass protection. And if they're able to do that, I think they'll be able to move the ball through the air, possibly get a couple of big plays as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're talking about moving the ball through the air. I think that one of the strengths of the Oregon defense of the secondary is that they haven't really gotten beat, you know, deep. They haven't had a lot of guys go over the top of them so far mm -hmm. in, in this uh, this season. But, um, I, I mean, I, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the, the Washington State game and kind of how they, you know, maybe the Cal offensive line made Washington State look a little bit better than they really were. And mm -hmm. I think that having that opportunity for this Oregon defensive line is going to be huge because they've just – you know, you know, credit to them. Obviously, they're working their tails off trying to get that push, but it just hasn't been there for this year. But they have a lot of young guys that they're trying to get into the fold here. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be missing the first half of this one after getting ejected for a targeting call against Stanford. But that'll give some younger guys an opportunity. Uh, Swinson's coming back. I know we were talking about that when we were doing uh, some videos for, for your site, Jake. But um, let's see. I'm trying to think of what other areas we could kind of go here. Well, um, I, I don't know how they're going to handle Thibodeau in the second half. I, obviously, they're going to have an offensive tackle, and I don't know whether they'll just keep a back end to, to double them or whether they'll double them with a, you know, with a guard. Or, I don't know how they're going to deal with them. But they got to do something special, I would think, something unusual to try to deal with them, because uh, Stone had success. Washington State's uh, best pass rusher had success against Cal, and uh, they don't really have anybody that's on the offensive line that's going to be able to handle Thibodeau. I don't think. Uh, they might be able to do some things in the first half, but when he's around in the second half, they'll have to make adjustments for that, but I don't know exactly what it'll be. Okay, so it sound, sounded like it might be a, a good opportunity for Thibodeau to, to – maybe this is the game where we really see him back to his, his peak form because, like I said, you know, he's, he's not – he wasn't at 100% against Arizona and then maybe just wasn't put in the best positions or situations, I should say, uh, against Stanford, but – I think one thing that comes to mind, Jake, when I'm thinking about kind of this game and what's at play here, uh, you know, obviously Cal won last year uh, down there in Berkeley. I think, you know, what was probably surprising to a lot of people, especially after Oregon uh, came off, you know, the highs of the, the 2019 season. But let's maybe just take a step back for a second and talk about the state of the Pac-12, you know, with regards to this game. You know, what do you think is is at play here, seeing that Cal got the win last year, but but Oregon is maybe looking like the – the favorite here and, you know, what Justin Wilcox is trying to do. Maybe let's open that up a bit. Yeah. It, you know, if Oregon loses this game at home, it's, that's a bad loss. <laughs> I, don't I don't think there's any other way you can slice it. Cal has not played well this year and they had their worst game against Washington state. And even with a bye, you know, they can't repair everything in, in, in a bye week. Uh, this, this, I don't, if Oregon is going to get into the, 
college football playoff, they can't lose any more games. And I think, and they need help elsewhere as well. Um, so I think a convincing Oregon win will suggest that they're maybe the favorite again in the Pac-12 North. But if it's a close game, and obviously if they lose, uh, then maybe somebody else. I mean, the, the North is pretty wide open now until Oregon really establishes himself as the as the team to beat again. I think the last couple of weeks have sort of left some questions about that. So uh, I, I think the way Oregon plays and, and how much they're able to dominate Cal will say a lot about what their odds are of winning the Pac-12 North and, and having a shot at the college football playoff. Takes me back to the the Stony Brook game and kind of what the the mood was like in Eugene prepping for that one. You know, coming off a huge win, a game that a lot of people didn't really give them a shot in against Ohio State. You know, how they I remember Cristobal said when I was asking him, you know, how we respond and, and approach this week is gonna is gonna tell us if we're on the trajectory to be a really great team or just a really good team. And I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of that at play again here with this Cal matchup coming up. You know, how do you respond? when you lose, you know, you really got punched mm. in the face and it's time to, to kind of try to rear back and, and, you know, make sure that the rest of the season goes the way that you want it to. So I think the, you never want to lose obviously, but I think the timing of that loss for Oregon uh, could ultimately end up benefiting them. Um, when, we're, when we're looking at kind of the road ahead, but what, what I want to kind of look into is just like we were talking about with, with Justin Wilcox running the show there for, for Cal, um, I think it's a, a much different program than Oregon, right? You know, they're never really, they've never really been the heavyweights on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they're not usually looked at as a, as a top dog here uh, in, in the Pac-12. So just kind of take us inside the program, Jake, if you could, you know, wh- what do you think success looks like for, for this Cal team that, you know, is obviously at a different stage uh, than Oregon? Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, I don't know how the coaches look at it technically, but I sure. think the, the observers look at it in terms of, a bowl game is sort of a successful season for them, which is a little bit different from Oregon. They sort of assume they're going to be in a bowl and they're looking for, for bigger things. But I think they think in terms of uh, a bowl game, a winning season, uh, I think a losing season, which is the way it looks like now would be a, a major disappointment. Uh, I, you know, they, they, they thought they had a chance for the PAC 12 North title. They did last year too. Uh, and then, you know, last year was a weird season. You can sort of throw that out. Uh, but I, I think if they don't, if they don't have a winning season, that, that's that's bad. Now Wilcox isn't in on the hot seat at all. Uh, even if they lost the rest of their games, I don't think he would get fired at this point, unless he did something, you know, off the field <laughs> that caused it. That. And that's not Wilcox. Wilcox is pretty squeaky clean. But uh, at this point, I think they're just looking to show progress, and, and they haven't this season. They haven't shown progress. Uh, they looked pretty good are good enough in the first couple of games. They didn't play great against Nevada, but they showed uh, potential. And they played pretty good against TCU, and those are two games they they could have won uh, without too much, without, you know, just a couple of plays different. But uh, one and three, that's not what they're looking for. And it, it's going to be a real disappointment if they end up, I don't know, five and seven, which is sort of what it looks like right now. And uh, they're never going to – they don't really target – the sort of the high-profile guys. They try, to, they try to target guys that sort of fit their image of character and who, you know, who sort of fits the kind of program they have. It's a little different recruiting focus, rather, and that, of course, limits them in terms of 
how far they can go, how high they can uh, seek to be in the, you know, in the Pac-12. I don't think in the near future they're ever going to be a perennial contender uh, in the Pac-12. I think there may be an off year where they might be able to do that. I thought even this year they might be able to do that, but it, it takes some it takes some breaks for Cal to get there. They have to be not injury-free, but pretty close to injury-free to do that. And they're, they're still in that kind of category. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of a, of a look there at kind of, uh, you know, what, what uh, the program's looking like uh, and, you know, maybe what's at play and, and how the maybe the, the standards are a little bit different. And, you know, because obviously, um, you know, Oregon has a, a lot more momentum, I'd say, uh, you know, heading into each season. And, and everyone is, you know, coming off the COVID season of, of 2020 with the, a little bit of a, you know, a head scratcher. Cause I feel like, you know, even the really good teams, you know, I feel like, can we, can we maintain that consistency? Can we keep it playing at a high level? And then the low teams that maybe we're struggling a little bit more, we're kind of left there. You know, what, what are we able to take from this? And, you know, did we really see our full season? Cause I know you were talking about this offense about Musgrave, you know, not necessarily being able to, to get everything in place that, that he maybe wanted. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, but we, we got our, our early look at uh, the Cal offense. So I think now would be a great time to, to switch gears a little bit and look at the other side of the ball, the Cal defense. I think that looking uh, you know, from an outsider's perspective at this Cal program, a lot of people find the source for optimism on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I know that Cal secondary was uh, was a talking point as a you know maybe a, a, a bigger strength for them um, after after last season. So let's kind of dive into this defense and then take a look at maybe how they stack up with the Oregon offense, which has been very underwhelming so far through uh, through five games for the Ducks. Yeah, actually, Cal has survived on its defense the past three years under Wilcox, who's very much a defensive coach. But this year, the defense has not been very good. The offense has finally been decent. Uh, they've been moving the ball much better than they have in the previous couple of years. But the defense has really taken a step down, and it's really uh, pass defense. A lot of it is not, they're not getting a, a good pass rush. But the secondary, which really has been a strength, uh, they have three guys in the pros from their secondary just a couple of years ago. And now the secondary has really had struggles. They've had a lot of pass interferences. They're, they're, they're not playing the ball in the air very well. They don't seem to be uh, in tune with the, with the, with the plan. The secondary has been a real problem. A, lo a lot of that is, is a product of not getting a good pass rush. Um, they switched uh, coin dang coin dang. Who was the, 
star against Oregon last year. He forced two fumbles in a game that I really thought Oregon looked like the better team, but but Cal was able to get those turnovers at the at the at the important times. He won't. Well, I don't know for sure he won't be playing, but my guess is he won't be playing against Oregon. He hasn't played since the second game. They switched him from the in, from an inside linebacker to the outside, which is a more natural position for him since he's six six. He looks more like an outside linebacker. Uh, hasn't made a big impact at that spot. Hasn't had really had a chance to this year. He's only played a little more than one game. Uh, the real strength is the other outside linebacker, Cam Good, and he's been he's been pretty good. He's been their best player, not surprisingly. They've had trouble at the inside linebacker spots. They play a three-four in there too, and the inside linebackers have always been the key to uh, Cal's defensive success. They had Evan Weaver. They had. Uh, uh, Kanasik, who were both uh, all Pac-12 players, and uh, and Deng was inside in past years, or yeah, two last years, uh, but he's on the outside now. And the guys that they put on the inside now haven't really been the dominant factors that they expect to be at that position. And they sort of been moving guys around in there and trying new guys. So how that position fares is, has a big impact on how. Uh, Cal does on defense, which has not been nearly as good as it has been the previous three years. So we're seeing some, you know, some some experimentation, uh, you know, on the on the Cal side as well. I know Oregon on their defense, they're they're looking to to try to get some new names involved with with how many injuries they've had to deal with. Um, but I think with with the Cal defense and kind of how Oregon lines up, I feel like you know, like we were talking about in the the um, offensive preview for for Cal is they're Oregon looks like they're, you know, like the stronger team on paper here, but they, they've been rotating a lot in their own. You know, they've been rotating along that offensive line, particularly along the right side. Alex Forsyth missed the Stanford game with, with back spasm. So they, they saw that versatility come in handy when they had to slide Ryan Walkover to to handle the, the center duties for that game. But we've seen a ton of rotation at the receiver spot as well. Um, and I think that the, the offense has, has – uh, not really reached the ceiling that we think that it'll be capable of. They've looked great on the ground, but I think the source of excitement for Oregon was through through the air. And I think with with Anthony Brown, you know, still looking like he's um, I don't even know if I want to say finding his footing because he's he's been in the system for a while now, and and I feel like they they kind of know what they what he has there, but he just hasn't been been taking some of those deep shots. I know Garbers uh, is a guy that is getting some, a little bit more comfortable with that, but I think with with the Oregon offense and, and how the, the weapons have been utilized. Maybe Cal has a little bit of a better shot here, seeing that Oregon's still trying to find their rhythm. And we don't know if, if uh, offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead's going to be able to coach in this one. Yeah. Uh, does, uh, does, does Anthony Brown, does he, when things break down, is he pretty good at scrambling and, uh, and finding either secondary receivers or running? Uh, I mean, I, I think he, he definitely leans more on the run. Uh, when, when the play breaks down um, and I know that he, cause the, the offensive line has been pretty solid for, for most of the year, but I don't think that they're um, as strong in pass protection as, you know, they, they'd maybe want to be uh, at this point, which would ultimately allow Brown to, you know, sit in the pocket and allow some of those deeper routes to, to develop. So he, he's, um, he, he's kind of a, uh, I definitely say he's more of a runner when it comes to the play breaking down. Um, and, you know, he probably needs to work a little bit on, you know, keeping his eyes down the field and, and uh, getting on the same page with those wide outs. Yeah. Uh, a running quarterback 
who scrambles. That could be a problem for Cal. It's a problem for everybody, I guess. But it could be a problem for Cal, uh, especially because their uh, ability to contain in that kind of situation hasn't been real good. Yeah, and I think with with the read option uh, at play, I think we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of you know good good uh, you know good plays from from the read option, and and I think if, if Oregon's able to run the ball, hopefully it'll open things up a little bit more. But I think in large part we're starting to see teams able to stack the box because they don't really have to plan for a deep ball too much with Brown. But I think when you're talking about containment, maybe we could see Oregon get a little bit more involved here with some sweeps. Jalen Red was was great. Uh, in that regard, and he's uh, he's been doing pretty well uh, in the past couple of games after that touchdown to Arizona. So, I mean, do you think that that some of these sweep plays and you know just some opportunities for for creativity could really help the Ducks against Cal? Yeah, as long as they don't run him to Cam Good's side, <laughs> if they run him to the other side, they he's usually on the right side, not always, but usually he's on the right right defensive side. So if they run run those plays away from him, I think they they'd have some they'd have some success because they have the replacement for dang is in there those guys are it's uh, croto and uh and they're the transfer from texas but and they're okay but they're not they're not coin dang and if they run them to that side i think those guys might have trouble uh uh setting the edge on on, on a play like that if they run away from cam good side cam is real good at defending those yeah, let's let's stay there for a second. You know, Cam Good is is a, a name that I think, um, you know, people kind of gravitate towards when you're looking at this Cal team. What what do you think he does particularly well, and and what is what kind of player is Oregon having to game plan for here? He, he's real good at uh, penetrating the line, making penetration, and making plays in the backfield. Uh, you know, he he didn't go out, he didn't enter the draft because he doesn't really have a position in the NFL. He's an outside linebacker for Cal, but I don't think he would be a defensive end in the NFL. And I don't know whether he could be an outside linebacker in the pro. His, his, his uh, pass coverage is so-so when he has to cover, which they try not to make him have, put him in pass coverage very often. So um, his best thing is just penetrating and making a play uh, and, and setting the edge. Players don't get outside of him very often. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, hearing that maybe uh, the Ducks would be you know better served to get him in some pass coverage situations. I think that the the tight ends have been uh, a, a bright spot for Oregon so far this year. Um, you're looking at the the true freshmen that have both been playing extensively in Maliki Montevao and, and Terrence Ferguson. I think Ferguson is a little bit more versatile when it comes to, to being a pass catcher, but they also have guys rotating in there like DJ Johnson. He's been playing both sides of the ball, and that's been pretty interesting to see for Oregon. Um, I think he's probably better served to be on defense right now, but Cristobal said that you don't want to lose his value on offense. Yeah, one thing I neglected to mention on Cal's offense is that uh, their tight ends play, play a role as well. Uh, Jake Tungus has been an effective pass catcher, uh, and they played a lot of two tight end stuff, as a lot of teams do. Okay. Yeah, the, the tight ends are are uh, always an interesting position to watch. I, I love watching them because I feel like they can do a little bit of everything, you know, run block and run block, pass block, make plays in space or just high point the ball. Um, let's see here. I know that we talked about Dang and how, uh, you know, he he's maybe looking like he probably uh, isn't the, the most likely guy to go for this game. But I think one of the other players that you mentioned uh, was uh, nose guard Stanley McKenzie. 
um, and how he he kind of got nicked up recently. So how do you think Cal has has you know dealt with those injuries and you know, maybe how his is his absence going to be that uh, you know that much of a downgrade for for Cal? Uh, McKenzie's a big guy. He's like three hundred forty pounds, and he played in the middle. And you know as nose guards are, and he's done for the season. He's not going to play the rest of the year. Um, and he sort of uh, anchors the defense. But Cal plays a lot of two down linemen and, and uh, four linebackers and stuff like that. So I don't think that's that big a deal. Uh, his, I guess if Oregon just wanted to try to smash up uh, down the, up the middle with a running game, it might be an issue. But even then, I'm not so sure. Uh, Luke Beckett is, is their best defensive lineman. And their other one, J.H. Tellis, is a pretty decent uh, defensive lineman, too. They're called defensive ends, but they're sort of almost like defensive tackles since it's a uh, three-man line. Uh, so I don't think his absence, McKenzie's absence, uh, is a big factor because I think they they deal, they deal play without him a lot anyway. Okay. And and so maybe, maybe uh, you know, we'll, we'll see – the Ducks try to, to try to pound the rock a little bit uh, up the middle. That kind of makes me think about how Oregon's looking at this uncertain situation at running back, um, you know, maybe making Travis die the, the kind of workhorse back that, that they've uh, had in, in CJ Riddell. I think that the way that they used him with, with CJ really complimented each other quite well. But I think when, when die is, is asked to, to, you know, take 20 carries a game, I'm, I'm not sure that he can sustain that quite like CJ Riddell can seeing that he, he is a little bit, uh, you know, slighter with it, with his frame, you know, under 200 pounds. But I think that this is probably a good matchup for Oregon to to have coming off the bye, seeing that they're still trying to figure out what that running back room looks like. Mm-hmm. Are they going to go with Trey Benson, who's coming off an injury last year? He had a touchdown against Stony Brook. Byron Carwell came in against Stanford, and Seven McGee's looked great at times, and he just was like he's a an explosive play waiting to happen. So maybe Cal will be a little bit more susceptible to the run in this one, which I think would ultimately serve Oregon pretty well. Yeah, I, I think they might be. I mean, the, their main, although the middle guard uh, sort of anchors things, it's really their inside linebackers that are their key run stoppers, and they haven't been as dominant as inside backers have been for Cal in recent years. So we're going to be looking to see, at least I'm going to be looking to see in this one, can Oregon's offensive linemen get to that next level uh, to to get you know get hands on those on those inside linebackers that you mentioned, Jake um, Jackson Powers Johnson, uh, an offensive lineman for Oregon that that has really stepped up. Um, you know, especially with like I said, with the, all the shifting that we've seen. You know, is he going to be a guy that that proves to be too good to to keep off the field? I think that that Oregon's veteran presence on the offensive line kind of. Uh, I don't know. You you see that, and you, you wonder, you know, how how hard is it going to be for a guy to to break into the fold there? But Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach, has said, you know, it's really not that that uh, that hard to make those kind of decisions when you're seeing it on film. You know, can this guy put it on the film? Can he be consistent? And then, you know, I think the the experience part of that, you know, decision doesn't doesn't weigh as much. So I think um, the the offensive line is going to be crucial for Oregon. Can they can they show up against this Cal front and, and help them pound the ball so that they can open things up a little bit more in the passing game. Uh, Cause it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Jim Mastro draws this thing up, seeing that when he was calling plays last week, man, they were really, really run heavy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That might be, a, that might be an issue. They're, they're, Cal is real thin on the defensive line. They, they can't run a whole lot of guys 
in there. They're, they they keep their especially Beckett and and Tevis, Tevis they play a lot of play a lot of snaps. So if they keep running and keep running and keep running, I don't know that might that might be a a factor come the fourth quarter. All right, so we're 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 kind of winded down our preview here on the Ducks Digest podcast, talking with Cal Sports Pub. Cal Sports Report publisher Jake Curtis. So Jake, you know, obviously since you're around there, you you kind of know the team, and, and it's sounding like uh, you know the Ducks are, are looking like they could run away with this one, but um, you know, that's what we got to play the game. Is is there anything that you kind of wanted to touch more on that you think would maybe be worth talking about here in this matchup as we're looking at the Bears? Well, they won last year because of takeaways, and obviously, you know, turnovers are a big deal every week or every game. <laughs> But, you know, I think Cal has to get a few of those. They haven't gotten very many of those this year. Uh, and I think they need to produce some takeaways. I also think they need to do something in the uh, in special teams. They're, they've had a lot of trouble with extra points and place kicks, you know, bad snaps and, and things like that over the past this year and last year as well. So being efficient with, with place kicks will be a big deal for Cal. They can't. They can't waste any any uh, scoring opportunities against Oregon, and I think the special teams. If Remigio gets a big punt return, uh, if they even force Oregon to punt, of course, uh, I think that will be a big deal. I think they need to create some uh, significant plays out of the special teams to, to have a shot, and Remigio is capable of doing that. You mentioned turnovers, and the the Ducks didn't get any turnovers uh, a week ago against Stanford. So I think that that'll be a big factor for Oregon as well. And that kind of goes to to maybe touch a little bit on Bennett Williams, uh, his absence, and and you know kind of what the secondary looks like for Oregon long term, um, seeing that he's going to be gone for the year. So I think the turnovers are going to be big for both teams. And you know when you talk about you know can can Cal even get Oregon to punt? You know we'll, we'll see if this is a game that that Oregon's obviously favored in. And can they win by a significant margin? You talked about kind of the big picture implications of this game for Oregon and the Pac-12. If, if they're able to come to Autzen, you know, off the bye week and, and run up the score on, on a team like this Cal team that they really should be able to, I think that'll maybe go a long way in seeing kind of what they can really bring to the table and, you know, getting a little bit more credit back to their name. Um, because I think that, like you mentioned earlier, you know, they, they – can't really afford to lose a game if they still want to keep the playoff in their sights. Yeah, I think this is a game where people are not looking so much at whether Cal or whether Oregon wins or loses, but but how they look. Uh, and I think people would decide based on this game to a large extent how good Oregon is. Absolutely, and I think uh, a fun question to maybe end this one on, Jake. Uh, the the Ducks and the Bears are set for a, a seven thirty kick on a Friday night. And, you know, with with those just factors at play, everyone wants to talk about Pac-12 after dark, which, of course, is just the chaos that seems to come every week with with West Coast football. You know, how do you kind of view that and and maybe the the potential for chaos that we see with these Pac-12 matchups? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, a lot of people criticize it because it's way after anybody in the East Coast can see these games. But I don't know. I, I, I sort of like it. I mean, I think people who really know what they're looking at can can figure out what team looks good and what team doesn't but uh, yeah there is a lot of chaos on these on these night games uh and i i don't know is it is it it's supposed to rain in eugene on friday i you may not know yet but but that adds just another element any any kind of off-field situation i think always acts as a uh, 
uh, as a leveler uh, is a is a benefit to the underdog team because it sort of takes away the talent gap a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what the what the weather forecast is on for Friday night yet? Yeah, I'm not seeing any rain in the forecast there. You know, the the Oregon fans will say that it never rains in Austin Stadium. Um, so it poured during that Stony Brook game. Actually, delayed the kickoff. Um, but I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, that that definitely is something that goes into into Cal's favor. Just, just I mean, obviously Oregon's used to the rain since it rains more in Oregon, but uh, it kind of adds to that chaos factor that I think uh, makes it a little bit more entertaining um, to to see you know how this one ultimately shakes out. Yeah, I think bad conditions always favor the underdog. It just sort of levels things out a little bit. It it uh, it shrinks the talent gap a little bit. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for for our preview here on the Ducks Digest podcast. We're going to have preview content coming out all week, looking at Oregon players to watch, Cal players to watch, uh, you know, betting lines, how to watch the game. Uh, we're hearing from Mario Cristobal and, and other players throughout the week. So definitely stay tuned in DucksDigest.com and, and check out what we have going on there. Uh, but before we get out of here, Jake, where can people find more of you and your work? Uh, we're at Cal. Shoot, I'm not good at this. <laughs> we're at uh, just, just uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, Cal Sports Report, uh, or, or at my email, jakecurtis53 at gmail.com or at uh, – or a Twitter or Facebook. All right, right on. Well, if you're watching this on uh, the YouTube channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus, kindly ask that you subscribe. Really helps me keep doing my thing, covering the Ducks and bringing you guys all the Oregon content that you want. It only takes a second out of your day, and it, and it really goes a long way. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. You can find more of me at DucksDigest.com, on Twitter at mtaurussports, there on your screen. And then we're on all the other social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ducks Digest. But that'll do it for this one. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one.